With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, folks. I'll just take a wee minute out here to talk about NordVPN. Now, NordVPN are official club partner of Rangers, so you know that they're trustworthy. And trust is a big thing on the internet. I'm afraid that you can't trust people because there are lots of bad people out there who want to steal your data. And if you are using other Wi-Fi to your home network, if you are out and about and you use Wi-Fi or your 4G when you're outside 5G, whatever, then hackers are able to get to your information and it's such a pain if you've ever been hacked and you've had to change passwords or you've had to change bank cards, etc. It is so, so time consuming and you don't need to do it because all you need to do is sign up to NordVPN and know you're protected. And of course, if you're ever going on a short holiday then you know what I'm talking about. You know where you can go to get absolutely thousands of options of where your internet is. But security is the key thing, let's face it. And you can get 73% off your NordVPN plan and a bonus gift if you go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand and use the code heart and hand. You will get up to 73% off your NordVPN plan and a bonus gift. So just go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand. Use the code heart and hand and be protected. Get up to 73% off your NordVPN plan and a bonus gift. Christmas is coming. Good evening and welcome back to Heart and Hand Extra, your second free show of the week. I am your host, Adam Thornton, and on tonight's show we will discuss Wednesday's 2-0 win against St Johnston and look ahead to tomorrow's match against Dundee United at Ibrox. I am delighted to be joined firstly by Laura Lothian. Hello everybody. And Andy McGowan. Hi folks. Okay, so yep, thank you for both for coming on. Um, we're going to talk about the St. Johnson game, as I said. We'll run through some of the key points from that game. Laura, so let's just start with that then. Uh, only the one change to the team with uh, Fashion Sakala dropping out and, and Hadji coming in. I, I guess it's a different kind of challenge to playing Hearts away, St. Johnson at home, and we've also got a bit of a busy schedule. Did you expect to be a bit more rotation than this, or were you pretty happy with, with that lineup? I didn't actually, and yeah, I was I was pretty happy with the lineup. I actually expected it to be the same as Hearts away, if I'm being honest. But when I saw the change, I completely understood the reasoning behind behind the change, and I was happy happy with the change with Hadji and for for Sakala. Yeah, no complaints and, from me. And I guess in these type of games, it it maybe makes sense to have another creative player there like Hadji rather than maybe somebody like Sakala who. Maybe wants to play in the shoulder a bit more. I know you've got your doubts about Hadji, but can you understand that that logic? Or even in this kind of game where St Johnson were always going to sit in, would you still have had maybe someone like Sakala playing instead? No, I think there's a. I think this is Hadji's specialty. I think this this is where he's going to find his niche for us, certainly in the short term. 
And and Van Bronckhorst clearly likes him because you know he's been on his team more often than not. So uh, when you say I've got my doubts about Hadji, I've, uh, I've I'll qualify that. I'm asking Hadji the same questions I was asking Eribo two seasons ago, mm-hmm. which is just for a wee bit more a wee bit more killer instinct to become one of the main players that you can actually think that you can build the team around because that's where we're at with Aribo. So my, my, my criticism of Hadji is qualified by that, that I know he's a work in progress, but that's the kind of pressure he needs to put himself under, the exact same thing that happened to Aribo, which is progression, progression, until uh, we can see, and I'm sure we'll speak about it, the maturity coming where he's, he's actually becoming an a, a ultra-key player for us. Let's just talk about that then, because I think Aribo is dominating the, the conversation over certainly over the past couple of weeks and I think in, in this game as well. But Andy, I'm going to stick with you here. Uh, that midfield three that we've seen was Arfield, Aribo and Kamara. Second game in a row, I think it's maybe the third or fourth time out of the seven games that, that Van Bronckhorst has played it. It certainly seems to be becoming the default domestically and already after only, what, a month or so. Um, it's a bit crazy to think that the default used to be Jack, Davis and Kamara in midfield when you see the, the kind of skill set of that three that we've got now. Aye, so we're kind of getting to the point now where we're seeing what Van Bronckhorst's thinking is and it's clear that Kamara is his main defensive midfielder of choice and he's quite comfortable to go with a one rather than a two. He's obviously trusts Arfield implicitly and he probably sees Arfield offering something that the others don't, which is probably that kind of third man run that he does that we've seen. Um and the Aribo has been given, as far as I can see, much more responsibility in the team. And I know that sounds ridiculous that it wasn't given responsibility beforehand. That's not what I'm saying. He's he's the main man in the centre of our defence uh, sorry, our attacking quartet, if you like. Um, and he's very, very much more influential in terms of being the main man. So um, I, I think that's what we can take for Van Bronckhorst, that he's settled on these are the three players that I trust most as it stands in terms of the midfield. And we've got to be honest, it's worked. It's brought a wee bit of a different dimension to the team. We've seen, we've seen those those runs. I mean, we've seen the Arfield at Livingston where, where the diagonal from Goldson Sorry, it was uh, Tavernier for that, wasn't it? But it was still a diagonal, a wee bit uh, closer in, but a diagonal over the top for, for Arfield running on. We've seen it at Tynecastle, goals in diagonal for Aribo making the run. And it's something that happens quite a lot. If you're watching the game at, at the at the stadium, you can see those runs quite often during the game. So he's obviously noticed something that um, was in the Gerrard team. And I, I kind of commented before that if we didn't have a front three or front four firing, we kind of struggled. There was never ever really a massive threat apart from set pieces for getting goals from around the, the park. Tavernier and, and Barisic had kind of dried up this season in terms of goals by comparison to last year. So it's, it's very interesting to see what he's done with, with the team. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what, what he do, does, i.e. up at Pataudry or at Parkhead, because it's I don't think it's an open uh, team set up. But it's very different from Gerard's kind of Benitez style uh, away game formation. So I'm interested to see what he does with Kamara if he brings another midfielder in to sit with him for those kind of games. Yeah, that is going to be interesting. I I thought against um, against Hearts he might have um, done that, but the fact that he hasn't, I guess, leaves that absolutely open to the possibility. So that's that's very interesting to see as we get through this month to see what he does in, in both of those games. Laura, I want to get your thoughts on, on Aribo. As as Andy said, um he's been huge for for the last few weeks or so. He's he's a player that I, I've struggled with at times because absolutely fantastic on the ball. I think he, he is the most probably the most skillful player at the club in, in terms of that. But for me there was always a little bit there where I was maybe putting him on a unfair expectation because of how much quality he had and you kind of want to you want to see him dominating teams every team in Scotland really has the quality to dominate um, and I think we're starting to see that over the last couple of weeks and I think a big part of that like Andy mentioned Laura was as those direct runs that he's making into the box the goals that he's getting I think he's now joint top it's not not after the last bit of the other night there sorry but he's got six six league goals this season I think he only got eight last season in, in total so he's clearly adding that to his games specifically since Van Bronckhorst came in and he's absolutely the form player in the country right now. 
yeah, I've I've really been enjoying Aribo since Van Bronckhurst came in, and I think he's he's kind of starting to offer that. He's starting to offer that side of Rebo that we all sort of knew was there, but we weren't really getting to see. And he's he's definitely benefited the most from this slight tweak in in formation, and he's like like really really suiting this new role. And I actually was thinking of you when he scored against Hearts with them being a top <laughs> six team. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm really loving this side of Rebo, and I hope he I hope he keeps it up. Obviously, we all hope he keeps it up, but I'd, I'd really love to see him really kick on and, and see if he can go an extra step and offer even more than what he's doing just now, but superb so far. Yeah, I mean, that I want to talk about those long balls, Andy, that you mentioned, because there's even a wee bit of a difference to those with, with Goldson. He, he does them a lot, like you said, but earlier in the season or maybe last season, it would be a long ball to maybe Kent or Barisic kind of to yeah. play over to that side. Well, they're useful for kind of getting the ball forward or, or switching over to the over, overlap. They weren't really slicing a defence open in the way that, that they're doing now. You've seen that uh, against Leon and the two early ones against Hearts, the first one, and then obviously the second one for that incredible goal. Um, it's just a bit more incisive, I think. And, and it's Aribo is clearly benefiting from being a bit further forward, but also the fact that Ghost is able to pick him out in those those areas. It's, it's a nice little combo, that. So... It's all in the. It's too easy to say it's all in the run, but if you're a defending team, you need to look at it from that perspective because I think we were pretty predictable in terms of how we would attack in that manner. So yeah. a quick counter in that manner would, as you say, Kent was really him and Barisic were the only ones because it had to be from right to left. So it's either going to be Kent or Barisic, and generally was received really wide really wide so it's different now because it's quite incisive through the middle and it can be a, a, a literal over the top and and Arfield and Aribo for what I've seen they're in a kind of piston motion one yeah. goes one drops and therefore it's very difficult for the defending team and their, their midfielders and centre halves defenders to monitor that because you've, you've then got to go with the runner they might be doing it four or five times before actually the ball's played. You know, so with these false runs, you've got to be t- totally alert for that. And all it takes is it for t- for it to work once and you're straight through. And that's what you've seen in, in Sunday at Tynecastle. So it is a pretty potent weapon. And I think we don't we shouldn't understate the skill involved for, for Golson because Golson's always been really good at this. Yeah. But it's not an easy thing to do. That's not a punt. It was something. It was something that um, older listeners. <laughs> And I know I, I date myself every time I come on a pod, but Terry Butcher was, was pretty special at putting balls over the head of um, the likes of Durant, uh, Robert Flight when he played a wee bit deeper sometimes. So it's it's not an easy thing to do. So it's not just like a team can say, ah, let's just play that diagonal the Rangers play. Van Dyke does it for Liverpool. Um, so it's, it's a really potent thing that I think Van Bronckhorst has picked up on. I think it's the main reason that Arfield's in the team because he really is the only other midfielder that we've got that's got the ability to, to play as a, uh, a, a kind of setting striker. You know, we've seen him a couple of seasons ago for a good run of games late in the season where he did it with Defoe. He played off at Defoe. So he's got the ability to play there. But what he does now is he plays as a midfielder and drifts into that position time, you know, as a kind of ghost. So um, I think it's really good. I think it's it's progress. It adds something to our makeup. We're no one dimension. I know that we were one dimensional, but we were getting pretty uh, predictable, I think, in our play with, with, with the, the Bill Gerrard formations. I think teams were wise to it, and that may have been the reason that we were struggling a wee bit at home. Um, but certainly, we've got a different dynamic now, and it's also aided by the fact that you'll have noticed that we are playing football wherever we want on the park. We're playing more football at the back than we have for a long, long time because we did that under Gerard, and we kind of abandoned it. We kind of stopped doing it as much as we used to. If you think back to the kind of front front end the last season, we were playing football all over the back third. Um, the, the Galatasaray goal comes to mind. We're kind of back to that now. I can't remember once where McGregor kicked the ball up the park from his hands um, at all against St. Johnson. So it seems to be a thing where they're encouraged to draw out the opposition 
by playing as deep as they want. Sometimes a wee bit risky, but I don't think we've had any major scares so far. But it's definitely something I've noticed is is getting more and more prominent as the weeks go on under under Van Bronckhorst. And you've got you've got to then say, right, is this influence a Dave Voss coming in? Because it's a very Dutch thing, isn't it? So yeah, most yeah. welcome, most welcome. Definitely, I think that flexibility of it is is key. You think back, and it would have been pretty straightforward for. McGregor even just to roll the ball out to Goldson and then you're expecting Goldson to hit that diagonal or, or try and play through to Kamara and Davis and it, it takes a bit longer whereas now I'm noticing definitely the ball's coming out to Goldson or Bassey and the passing into feet for Aribo Morelos has been a lot sharper as well a lot they're kind of pun- punching the ball between the between the lines if you like um, and it's just uh, they're probably not even riskier passes than, than the switch you'll play but it just gets you up the, the field quicker and then when you're there obviously you've got the two attacking Midfielders, like you said, whether it's a ball playing as an eight or a field playing as a ten or, or switching, it's so difficult to to mark. So, hundred percent, I think that flexibility is certainly starting to come through uh, after a month or so. Laura, um, in terms of the St. Johnson game itself, I thought the first fifteen twenty minutes of the game, Rangers were excellent. Um, so many opportunities for Kent, and I think that speaks to that that point you mentioned there, getting him the ball, Goldson playing an Aribo or playing straight to Kent and getting him to isolate. Sean Rooney, one-on-one at the edge of the box, he had, to think, three shots, maybe four shots in that time. It's still a little weird to me not to see Barisic bombing down the outside of Kent on, on these occasions, but Kent is so good one-on-one that he should really be able to create from there without without needing that kind of dummy run. Uh, that was the that was the big thing for me, I think, in the first 20 minutes, how how often he was getting that, that shot away. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I kind of sit around about that area of Ibrook, so I noticed that that Kent was just getting, he was getting so much joy against Rooney as well. Like it just felt like every time that he got got one on one against him, he was going to get a shot away. Um, I do kind of miss this, like the whole full backs bombing forward thing. But as Andy said earlier, they kind of had, they weren't as potent this year as they had been in previous seasons. So I still think it's there as an option. There's a couple of times where he'll go in the overlap, but it's just like not every time. And I was talking to Laura Clark about this on a pod, on a fantasy football pod, actually, whether with them going with them going forward ten times a match instead of thirty, whether you're actually going to get a bit more quality of cross or quality cutback as opposed to just whipping the ball in constantly, constantly. So, but yeah, um, Kent was absolutely superb in the first twenty minutes. I thought the whole, whole time I just thought a goal was eventually coming, which obviously it did, but. Yeah, I, I'm loving like this version of Kent. I really do like Ryan Kent, though, as a player. Always have. Yeah, me too. I'm a big fan. I thought it was I thought it was fantastic in this game. Um, Andy, after that kind of spell, 20 minutes or so, I don't know if it's me being a wee bit overcritical, but I actually thought we were maybe becoming a wee bit predictable. Um, we were still dominating and we weren't playing poorly, but there were a few kind of aimless crosses from deep from, from Tavernier and a, a wee bit of maybe trying to pass it into the net. Uh, a little bit with St. Johnson happy to sit in. But then we spoke about one centre-half taking initiative earlier on. It took Bassey going on a bit of a rampaging run to force a corner um, mm-hmm. to really give us that, that kind of impetus. Um, it's He's got shades of Bouguera there sometimes, I think, when he just takes it upon himself to go. Uh, and he's just so strong and quick that you can imagine opposition defenders being like, how on earth do we do we deal with this? So there's a wee bit of maybe chaos there that he can bring if something is getting a yeah. bit predictable that, that can force something. So I've been, uh, like most Rangers fans, I've been utterly delighted with Bassey since he uh, stepped up when Balogun got injured because I think after the Sparta Prague away game, most of had the fear over Bassey because he, he looked he looked pretty shambolic over there in terms of positioning and, and decision making. And he's been the absolute opposite of that for, for a good few games now. And he's, he's got major attributes. So you think when he played at left back and how good he was in an in attacking sense in terms of going by players, you know, the double shuffle, his cross balls, uh, getting into the box, he, he kind of rampaged into the box many a time at left back and really should have done better with his final kind of finish. So to see him at centre half, his footballing ability, I think, has been one of the major plus points for the Van Bronckhorst era because... He looks perfectly at ease as a left-sided uh, centre-half alongside Goldson. His passing's excellent. And then, as you say, if he sees an opportunity to step in, step forward, 
you can't beat that because if you've got a team that's lined up against you in lines like St. Johnson, and like most teams we face at Ibrooks, there's no, nothing in the script for them to actually counter that because once he's passed it, once he's broke one line, the, yeah. juice, the word that, your, your word is exactly correct, it's chaos because they then don't know what to do because this isn't in the, the plan. They're not expecting a centre-half to step forward in that manner and break one, maybe two lines, which he did there. So it's about this variation that we're allowed to have now in this team because we've got options all over. And we're a team of confidence just now. So it's great to see that the centre-half knows that if he does that, Kamara's positional sense gives him that insurance as well because as we've seen, Kamara drops quite easily and that's part of his radar. So um, we did go, we, it started to worry me in that, that first half because the first 20 minutes I thought there is no danger here, we're going to win this game. It's just a matter of getting a breakthrough and then and then going on for there. Um, but as it got to the kind of 35 minutes, I'm turning to my, my, my pal beside me and I'm saying, St. Johnson will be delighted with this now because they've weathered the storm. They looked to be getting comfortable in their shape. They were well drilled and disciplined as we know they can be. And it wasn't that we were running out of ideas. We weren't running out of ideas, but they were getting, you know, we just weren't as uh, incisive as I hoped. And I thought, they get to half time, they'll be really, really uh, delighted. And then we come out, and there's just that wee bit of pressure then when you come out with another 45 minutes to go and you and you know you've got to win this game. So I was, I mean, it was a delight to get the goal at that point in the, in the, in the first half because it just took all the pressure off. And then it was just a matter, of, you know, the, the new phrase "keeping a zero is something that I think we're we're pretty adept at in, in terms of Van Bronckhorst thinking. So, uh, Bassey takes a lot of credit. I think when Balligan's fit, fully fit again, there's a question mark whether he gets back in. You know, that's how good Bassey's been. He's um, he's pushed himself ahead of Jack Simpson as the third choice uh, centre half whilst Hellander's injured, and. Um, I suppose, again, much like I'm saying about uh, Van Bronckhorst's decision-making for, for Upper Pataudry and at Parkhead, that may be the acid test for Bassey because in, in, the, in the Scottish League, he's passed the Tynecastle test and then after that, you've got Pataudry and, and Parkhead. is probably two games where you would class them as acid tests for Rangers players. So um, I'm, I would have no fear about putting them in either game just now. Livingston away is probably top five as well. So, no, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I think right now, to be honest, if there was a if there was a straw poll, I think Bassey's coming out in favour of uh, Bassey's probably coming out higher than, yeah. than Alligan. If we get through these next four games, is Bassey coming higher than Helen? But I, I'm not quite sure. But um, I think we he certainly has been absolutely fantastic. And a point that you you touched on there um, is is kind of Kamara coming coming in and playing as that number six or single pivot or whatever you want to call it, but also dropping into that defence, like you said, Andy. That's happening quite a lot. Out yep. of possession, I noticed that against Hearts, I noticed that again in St Johnson. If Bassey does want to forry forward, then he's probably got a bit more comfort there. That Barisic is maybe ten or fifteen yards further back than he would have been, but also Kamara is going to be in there to to kind of cover. And it's not necessarily he's just going to fill a gap. Sometimes he just comes right back, like you said, and almost makes it a a three. So I think that probably helps to to balance that out, which is good. It's just again flexibility depending on the situation in the game. They'll just drop and change however they want to, which is which is great to see. Laura, the the goal then, um, great goal. It's just a it's a simple it's a simple corner kick, but we've scored so many of these over the last eighteen months or so. Um, with this move, it looks so simple, but that outswinger, the flick on, um, and Morelos peeling off at the back post to to nod it in. It's a goal he scored twice or three times anyway that I can remember. Certainly last year on the one each against against Celtic was one of the first times I remembered him him doing it. You could probably argue the Callum McGregor own goal in January where Aribo flicked it on. It was coming to Morelos at the back post if, if McGregor hadn't put it in. So it's a move that we do. Um but I want to give Morelos a good bit of credit here because it's just perfect the way that he peels off the defender who goes to try and challenge the ball and it gives him just such an easy tap in and he's absolutely back amongst the goals now. Yeah, that's what I was actually going to say. It was an absolute carbon copy of that goal against that he got against Celtic in the one each draw last year. Um, I think it's it's very difficult to be to be critical of Morelos at the moment because I know t- towards the end of Gerard's tenure he was getting a a lot of stick and then practically in Giovanni's first game he he scored two goals um, by playing more as a striker I guess than being in the deeper role but yeah 
Morelos does deserve a lot of credit for that goal um, and it got us got us on our way to, to the three points. But yeah, I think we've got that we've also get that quality still from from both fullbacks can still put in a, a pretty good corner when they want to. Hundred percent. It's always we can always rely on it from from set pieces if if they're, if they're doing it less from from open play, like you said. I think that's absolutely fair. Andy, five goals in six games. I think that is now for for Morelos under mm-hmm. under Van Bronckhorst. Um, it's brilliant to see. I'm not quite sure we've seen the um. Alfredo Morelos of old that we probably threatened to see after the the Sparta Prague game, but um, I think this game was probably quite close to it. Um, for me, I thought he was he was really good. We're seeing him kind of dropping into that right hand side uh, for the channel. He's maybe dropping a bit deeper than we would probably like, but when you've got Sakala, Arfield, Rebo running beyond him, it kind of limits that a little bit for me. So I'm not really too concerned about it. But what what was your thoughts on his performance overall? I think we're getting closer to the dynamic all-action Buffalo that we, we know and love. They're, we've not been able to put our finger on it for long and really what was wrong um, this season about them. We're still contributing, but nowhere near to the level that, that we need for our, our, our main striker to be doing. But something's changed. I suspect it's a refreshing mentality. I think it's... Um, the fact that Kent is creating more space for him because he's just that touch wider. I think he reveled in it at Tynecastle having the double pace of Sakala and Kent either side of him. I don't think we should understate the fact that a rebel behind him um, changes things a wee bit as well because I just I just think a rebel is attracting attention for so many opposition players when he's on the ball that Morelis is able to find a wee bit more space, whereas he was probably occupying the space that Arriba was occupying just now, to be honest. Isn't he? he was always dropping that five, ten yards deeper than, than than he used to. And it just seems to have a bit more confidence, and, and that's probably coming through his goals. Um, so a fit and firing Alfredo Morelos solves a lot of problems for us, doesn't he? Because if you jump forward to... Um, the, the transfer window in January, if we had Morelos in the form he was in, I think the calls would be to chip, cash in chips to, to replace him. Um, I think that question's been dampened a fair bit now because if, if Morelos is playing as he's playing just now and getting better and contributing and scoring goals, then you, you don't really want to see him. I'd, I'd rather see him you know, kept for as long as possible until, you know, the, the, the Ross Wilson or whoever it is in the football department makes a decision to say, right, that, this is now the optimal time to sell him. So um, I'm I'm pretty delighted with this. Um, I'm, I'm hoping it's not just a new manager bounce and I'm hoping that it's the influence of the combined management team and I'm interested to see or to find out if it's anything to do with Roy Mackay because, you know, Roy Mackay was a fantastic all-round striker. He was a kind of hustling, bustling physical striker himself with no short degree of skill. So I'm wondering what the influence there is on, on Morelos because you've got to presume that Mackay's sitting there saying, I, I would love to bolt him because, he, well, we know he's got a lot of attributes. So it's interesting. I hope it, I hope it continues. Yeah, those are the things you would just absolutely love to know, wouldn't you, in terms of those kind of intangibles, how much influences uh, are you having on him? I guess even Roy McGuire probably doesn't doesn't even know that himself because ultimately he can give he can give guidance, etc. But it's up to the, the players to actually go and do it on the pitch. Um the Morelos selling thing is is a bit interesting for me because obviously he's only got eighteen months left in his contract. Yeah. I think people, most people would agree that the how do you how do you word this? The best time to sell him is probably gone. Uh, and I don't mean that in a in a rugby. I just mean in terms of the kind of trajectory that he was on. Um he's now kinda of rounding off into a more complete player, maybe a less like kind of explosive, exciting player, um th- than he was. So I just wonder the, the age he's at, etc. He's not exactly that that old, but um is he going to get back to that type of player? I'm not sure. I guess it depends what clubs are looking for. But I think ultimately to maximise his value, um, he's probably going to need another contract. And I, I see, see on that, see, see on that, Adam. So I, I kind of go against popular um, opinion here in terms of contracts because I think you can't. You'll you'll never get every player sold 
before the end of the contract. And you will get players that actually say, you know what, I'm quite comfortable, I'm going to run this down. And that is unfortunately the danger of modern football, modern contracts. And I think we're a wee bit, um, what's the word, when you've got a kind of bias towards re- recent events. I think we're thinking about Celtic's experiences with Edward yeah. um, and, and Cham and all that kind of, all the kind of players where they just couldn't get a tune out of their players that were running down their contracts. Now, that's not always the case. You can still get a tune out of players that are running down their contracts. In fact, sometimes you can get more of a tune out of them because they're highly motivated to show their worth in their final months if they've not got a deal or the deal that they want lined up. It's a very, very fine balance there. So you're 100% correct now that we're in that zone with Morelos where you kind of stick a twist because if he's at 18 months, this is kind of the window where if you don't sell him now, you're probably going to be, you don't hold the cards. And if you go into his last 12 months, then then you certainly don't hold the cards. But, um, I, I, you know, if if Rangers think they can get a tune out of a player in the last 12 months of his contract, then you've got to back their judgment because I think the, the Goldson experience this year has been, it's been, I, 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 I've been disappointed at the support because a lot of support of, uh, even prior to the Hibs kind of comments, a lot of your support have just made their mind up and said, oh, he's not playing for us because he's, he's got 12 wins. I don't think Goldson's performances have been that bad, you know. They've no. kind of reverted back to what they were prior to the Invincible season. Um, and But in the last four games, he's been he's been absolutely fantastic. He's hardly put a foot wrong. So it kind of flies in the face that you can't have a player playing well because he's in his, his twilight, his contract. So I think we need to go to this kind of mentality that it's black and white. A player gets it his last 12 months, therefore we must sell him. It's about the squad because we'll have players there that have got longer contracts that we might want to cash in. We talked about Hadji earlier. He might be the one that they're sitting there saying, you know what, he's on a longer contract. He'll be the one that makes up the money that, 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 that offsets a player running down their contract. So it's something I think we need to get, you know, to grips with. Just like selling players is going to become the norm you're going to have players that do see out their contract. That is modern football. That is modern contracts. I wonder if um, the players that, I guess, in question that we're talking about then are the, the high-value ones, I guess, would be Morelos, Aribo, Kent. I guess all three are fan favourites, I would say. They're, Kent can still get quite a bit of criticism that I don't really get, but certainly Morelos and Aribo on the whole, uh, our fan favourites. Goldson never has been for reasons that I can't understand. And even now, you get the impression that there's a bit of grudging praise from some people and they're just dying to say, I bet he never signed the contract. So I think the Goldson experience, I think I completely agree with, with what you've said. Other than a couple of a couple of goals early doors, maybe one in Malmo and maybe another one, I don't think he's done it. he's done much wrong at all. He just kind of gets bundled into the general we conceded lots of goals type thing. However, Aye. with those type of players that are more kind of liked, if you like, I hate saying that, but more more kind of favourites within the support, maybe things would soften towards them if they're still doing the business as well, like you said. But we'll, we'll see. It's going to be a very interesting transfer window in January, certainly, because like you said, we, we need to either maybe get shot one or two in terms of maximising value or, or get a few signed down to contracts. So it's going to be interesting on the, on the transfers out, never mind the transfers in. Uh, Laura, in the second half of the game, and we've probably seen... I think the goal of the season so far, certainly team goal of the season for us, um, similar to our fields against Galatasaray last year um, in the build-up, kind of nice passing move, but then it kind of merges into Kent's goal against Antwerp, I thought, Laura. Um, really sharp passing down the right-hand side, Tavernier Hadji, Aribo, slips Morelos in, and he moves towards goal before squaring it to Kent, who sweeps at home. Laura, I don't know whether I was more surprised about the goal itself or Morelos not having a shot from the position that he was in. You're literally stealing all my stuff that I've got to say. I was going to say the exact same thing about that being like the goal against Antwerp when Morelos <laughs> screwed it across to Kent. Uh, I thought he was going to take the shot on to, as well, um, so I was quite surprised to see him uh, to see him pass it to Kent, but obviously delighted that it that it went in the back of the net. Um, I, at one point, I actually thought the St. Johnston defender was going to get a foot to it, but he missed it. And then Kent just, I don't want to use the cliche, but he, he, he couldn't miss really. But it was a brilliant, brilliant finish from him. Um, 
absolutely superb and it was the goal that his performance again another cliche the goal that his performance I felt really deserved on name on Wednesday night yeah Andy Kent it's only Kent's second goal of the season which I find a bit find a bit strange and it's this is probably where my hypocrisy comes in because I I'm, I'm always banging on about oh Aribo needs to do this Aribo needs to do that but I, I kind of overlook that that type of that side of Kent's game where um, I think he offers so much more as does Aribo but Kent offers so much more than just kind of straight goals and assists but ultimately if you're playing attacking midfield or a front three for Rangers you really need to be um, having more than than two goals, I think, um, at this stage in the season. So that is something that, that I think he absolutely needs to work on, and it was it was good to see him get that one. Aye, so so for your Aribo, you just substitute Haji for me because I'm I'm the same, and I'm sure the, the statisticians will say, well, Haji's numbers are pretty good over the piece. Um, but the thing is, it's it's the eyes, isn't it? It's what you see. Kent Kent is a constant threat, even when he's not got the ball now because of this wide stance he takes. It's stretching the opposition back forward because they, their full-back, their right full-back, just has to be a wee bit wider than probably it would be when, when Kent played that kind of inside-right position that it, it was more favoured by Gerrard, the inverted... I'm starting to sound like you here, but the inverted winger style. So, Kent... We're talking about Aribo and we're talking about Kent. They two players, when, they've got, they're, when they're in the zone, are the two most skillful, entertaining fantastic to watch players in the Scottish football without creation. I don't care what MD says. You can talk about, you know, Kyogo and, and Jota, who who obviously is a great player to watch. But see, they two, they two are two players that could walk into most of the English Premiership. I think, I think um, going back to the kind of topic we're talking about earlier about contracts, I think they're our most sellable two assets. And... Uh, I, I just love watching Kent when he's on form, and but he should be getting more goals. You're right; he gets into great positions, and sometimes he's finishing just as an scratch. I actually thought he was going to he nearly miss that that goal he scored because I, I the guy in front of me jumped up just before he, you know, before he kicked it, and all I seen was the goal again. I touched it; it was a kind of it would have been a more aesthetically pleasing goal if he'd kind of skewered that into the top corner or something instead of scuffed it under the goalie. But I'm I just been looking for perfection. But um, I'm much like we're talking about Rebo in the zone and uh, Bassey, Kent is, is coming into his own. He looks super confident. He looked fantastic at Tyne Castle. It doesn't need to be Mr. Brian Loudrum and involved in everything. All he needs to be is be effective when he gets his opportunities. And he is getting by players. He's just he's just going by players. This is, this is what we're seeing now, isn't it? He's getting a double shuffle, back on form. He's getting by players at pace. He's hurting teams. I like to see him really pierce the, the penalty box because, as we've seen at Hibs, you can't touch him. You know, any any defender that wants to put a foot in, far less go to ground against him in the box, you're taking your life in your hands. So I think Van Bronckhorst has noted, noticed this and, and is using him in, a, in a, a much more conventional winger style where, you know, get by your man, get in the box, create chaos. And I love it. So, um, yeah, he needs to get more goals, but um, his overall contribution to the team is always good, even when he's not playing well, right? So even when he's not doing his stuff attacking-wise, he stops so many attacks. It goes unnoticed. He works so hard to get back in front of his opposite number. And he'd done that particularly well at Tynecastle on Sunday. The number of times he just worked that extra uh, 10, 15 yards to get in front of the guy with the ball, if we, if we were caught when a not a counter, but if if Hearts were were mounting a, um, we're, we're getting beyond him. So, I his his attitude's fantastic. I think as well. Um, now that we're seeing seven or eight games, you can you can start to see things happen, and we can't just take things game by game. But I can I can count on one hand the amount of times I've seen Kent dropping way back into his half to pick up the ball, which was always yep. a red flag to me that that things weren't weren't going very well. He was having to come so deep. All these little jigsaw pieces that we've mentioned with, with Goldson playing the ball forward, Bassey getting forward, Aribo and Arfield being there, all of that pushes Kent's starting position further up the park. And like you yeah. said, he basically gets the ball on the edge of the box now and is able to make things happen, which I think is probably beneficial for him um, as well. I think he had more shots 
in this game than he's probably had in the 10 before that, to be honest, which which is quite a lot. And you think about Livingston, you think about Hibbs as well. He was the man that was getting on the ball and, and shooting. We can debate whether that's right, whether he can do better or not, but he's certainly getting those opportunities, which is which is great. Laura, um, fairly comfortable to now win in the end. Um, we dominated the entire game. I think St Johnson only had two or three shots and it became late in the second half. Could have been three or four, I think, to, to Rangers without any trouble at all. Um, looking at those first seven games for Van Bronckhorst, it's all been incredibly positive, really, hasn't it? Not even a hint of criticism. Players are playing well, making these little tactical tweaks, tweaks to suit each uh, individual opponent. Uh, and most importantly, we've only conceded two goals in that run, and one of them was a bit of a sclaff against Leon in a dead rubber. Yeah, all the early signs are are really, really promising, aren't they? Um, I, I don't really have any criticism. I've seen a lot online and stuff like that criticising criticising Barisic for the goal against against Leon and there, there's no hiding from the fact that, that he doesn't stop the cross but what confu- what not confuses me but it, it's always been a weakness so I, I'm not necessarily sure that it, it's ever going to change like I've noticed he is stopping a couple of crosses but I still think he is going to be really really open to to that happening um I guess just uh, do we just have to accept it or like can we change it at this late stage in his career? I don't know. Yeah, I think but, that's yeah. be one of those one of those things that we're kind of mitigating now by having him a little bit deeper. There's still probably going to be those situations. I mean, this is the thing that I think Martin said on the flagship. Like some teams will play well against you. We can't expect to not have a shot conceded against us. There will be situations where a team is going to make a chance, or, unless it's going to be every single game, like or every single attack like we were seeing earlier in the season then I don't think it's too much to worry about personally if there's if there's one or two opportunities but I think you're right I think that's maybe that goal there is maybe the one that I thought that was maybe a little bit preventable but overall I think we're we're all we're doing very well Andy I know St George's have been having a poor season um but I thought they might offer me up more than they did um we bit of a shame I think that they've not been able to replicate last season's form um I thought they'd managed to at least kind of not necessarily kick on for that, but at least manage to stabilise a little bit. That being said, um, it's probably still easy to underestimate teams like St Johnson or, or Livy away, um, but we've managed to dispatch them fairly easily, I would say. Aye, and, and without turning this into the St Johnson podcast, they've, they've suffered a wee bit of the same syndrome that we have, whereas they've had an exceptionally good season, totally surpassed expectations, where we won the league without getting beaten, they won two cups, which is unheard of. And it's it's hard to maintain that kind of level because the expectations got, but also I think mentally you, 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 you can expire a lot of a lot of effort there. And I think the first well up until the last couple of weeks, I think most of your team have been suffering for that. But a game against St Johnson, what you know you're going to get is a very very organised team. Davidson has got them well well drilled. They have got a mixture of players in there that you know. Ability-wise, they're never going to be stellar, but as a as a unit, they're pretty effective. I think Chris Kane is pretty key to them, and the fact that he was missing neutered them a wee bit. Um, but see, uh, right now we've lost six points at home, and if we had the six points, where would we be? We'd be, we'd be an easy street, but be ten points ahead of Celtic, things would be a totally different landscape. You'd be going to Parkhead with a huge margin for error, and uh, Therefore, home games, we've got to be thankful for dispatching teams, regardless of who they are, regardless of their form. Same goes for Dundee United um, in the forthcoming game. So uh, I'm taking nothing for granted because of that Motherwell, Hearts and, and Aberdeen. Those those three drop points haunt me, um, and, and it's a fact that we, we, we just can't do that. We can't give any more points away from um, our home games. So I'm I'm delighted. I, I would like to have seen more goals. I've got to be honest, and I think and I, we're talking about features of Van Broncos Rangers. The feature that I I would point out is in most games we should have scored more. We should we should have go to third at Tynecastle, and I think if we'd go to that third, you know, when you think of Arfield through and Craig Gordon, I think if we go to that, then we'd have gone we'd have went on and got another two. You know, it could have been a four or five nothing because we were just sitting in playing in the counter. As a deliberate ploy, and and when 
without going back to that game too much, Robbie Nielsen's talking about how well they played. They played, they played well or appeared to play well because we gave them the ball and says, when you go and we'll, we'll pick you off. We just never go at that third goal. And again, last uh, against Johnson, we should have scored more. We should have scored more. And David Edgar said it on Twitter, I think somebody's going to get a tanking. Um, so hopefully, well, I don't really care when it is, but it would be nice to have a wee mini tanking up at Audrey and keep some left over for Parky. That would be nice. Mm, absolutely, that would be great. Um, yeah, the five games I think is eleven goals. Five league games, eleven goals scored. So you're right, it's just over. <coughs> sorry, just over two a game. I think um, it would have been good to get a couple more in there if we're being mega mega picky. But I think everything is is trending up the way. Um, looking ahead to Dundee United, then Laura, the only other team than the ones Andy mentioned to to take points off us, and the only team to beat us this season. Um, I think they're struggling a bit with COVID, like a couple of teams are just now. They are still fourth, even if their form has been pretty poor recently. Is there any kind of fantasy football insights from Dundee United players that we should be aware of? Anybody that we need to be um, watching out for? Do you know, there's not really, um, to be honest. Um, like Dundee United results have actually like, really surprised me because they've not, they've not got a striker that really stands out. Um, they've got a couple of defenders that are decent, but they've obviously got Segrist, who I think was considered probably the second best goalkeeper in the league last season behind behind Alan McGregor. Um, so him, I mean, all it saves in keeping the score down is, is kind of is probably their their secret because they don't don't have a other than Ian Harks in the in the midfield who's trailed off a wee bit since his Player of the Month award. They, they don't really have any deals like constantly banging them in and don't have like players that are like making last ditch tackles all the time or anything like that. So I, I think we should we should be able to dispatch them with ease at Ibrox if I'm being if I'm being honest, even without their COVID issues, but you just never know. <laughs> yeah, they've only got fifteen goals from, from eighteen games, so they don't they don't score loads, but they also don't really concede that many either. I think it's nineteen they've got. Um so I, I'm not expecting too much from them. On that side, Andy, um, would you make any changes to the team? I know consistency is, is the theme. Um, obviously, I think, to be honest, we mentioned this um, the other day when we were chatting. The two positions up for debate are the two positions that have probably been up for debate for about two years, and that's one of the midfield positions and, and that right-hand-sided striker position. Those are the ones I think are going to change game to game. Um, Arfield, for me, I'm a huge fan of Arfield. I'm delighted he's been back in the team. Uh, I do worry in terms of consistency of, of selection and injuries never never seems to be too far away from his thoughts and I don't think he really did a huge amount in the game against St Johnson but on the flip side of that, that dynamic between him and Arriba that we've been talking about nobody else can really bring that to the team so having him there probably um, would help that rather than just him himself and then obviously the, the conundrum on, on the right hand side whether it's I guess at this stage it's Kent or Sakala really would there be anything that you would, you would change from Wednesday's team? Um I'm a fan of consistency and again it seems to be an outdated notion to stick with a winning team or, or stick with the guts of a winning team and and one of my criticisms latterly or Gerard was I thought that our attempts to find form were hindered by the number of changes because I think rotation was becoming a it was becoming a hindrance as opposed to a help for 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 the for us this season because I thought to get ourselves out of this kind of, it's not bad form, you know, but to get ourselves really firing again, I thought, get a starting, you know, 14, not starting 14, but a 14 that you know you're going to have and, and kind of stick them for a good two, three, four games, which is a long time nowadays for, for keeping a team. Van Brothers kind of done that, and it goes back to what I was saying at the front of the show, which is, you know, sticking with Kamara, sticking with Arfield, um, he's, he's kept Bassey in there there's not been much choice but I don't think he'll tinker too much with the team given where we're at and if they're all fit and they're all feeling okay then I think you, you, you've called it bang on it's those those two positions it's, it's, it's basically a question is it Hadji or Sakala um, and then in midfield he might tinker a wee bit because I don't think he's used Lundstrom as much as, as, as Gerard did Davis has been you know as far as I can see preserved um, Ryan Jack's obviously new for, for the foreseeable future so 
the, the backdrop, however, is COVID because this, this introduced an element of Russian roulette to the whole league. And we're, we're going to be affected. Every team is going to be affected by this. Now, in theory, it should help us because if you've got the biggest squad, then you, you should have the least uh, ructions. But with COVID, you don't know because you don't know the numbers. Generally, if you're going to have one person, there's going to be another two, three, four. You just don't know how it's going to affect the, the games in the short term. So personally, for tomorrow, I would keep it pretty similar to St. Johnson. No, if not, exactly the same. If we came out of it with no knocks, I've no actually watched the press conference, I must admit. But if we came through it with no knocks, no major major um, concerns, uh, then I would probably stick with it because there's a bit of, a bit of momentum building there. Adam, I, I don't know if you agree. Yeah, absolutely. There's also a bit of respite as well. We've got eight eight days between Dundee United and St Mirren. Um, first time... Is that the first time this season? We've not had... Uh, a midweek game probably <laughs> can't be far off yep. it, to be honest so um, I think we maybe um, will maybe take that into account as well which um, is obviously good to get that bit of break and they can actually get a bit of time on, on the pitch because we do have four huge games coming up um, which will uh, will go some way to seeing how, how things go and that will bring us to what 10, 11 games under Van Brockhorst and we can kind of yep. take stock of, of where he is so um, yeah big few weeks ahead okay um, that will do us for tonight Laura thank you for joining me Thank you very much, Adam. And Andy, cheers. Thanks for having me on, Adam. Pleasure as always. And for those of you who are on Patreon, uh, first of all, thank you for signing up. There will be a there is a, a preview, I should say, of Dundee United if you want more in depth uh, about that, which dropped at twelve o'clock today. So if you're not there, you can subscribe and and listen to that. I will be back next week. I hope everyone has. Uh, hope hope your team wins tomorrow, and hope everyone has a great Christmas. Cheers. Want your name inscribed in the new Edmonston house? Then take part in Rangers Pool's Question of the Week. Answer this week's question for the chance to win exclusive Rangers prizes such as matchday tickets, signed merchandise, plus there is an Edmonston house package up for grabs. This week's question is, who was Rangers' first ever player manager? Think you know the answer? Then go visit www.rangerspools.com and click on the Question of the Week banner on the homepage. Also remember, every time you play Rangers Pools, you're supporting the club and the build of new Edmonston House, all else being in to win some huge cash prizes. Best of luck. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.